you're going to run into people every day. I still meet uh, people, men and women, who say, I don't care. I'm going to be me to the end, you know. I'm going to be me. Don't tell me what to do. I'm going to be just myself because my guru told me I, I, I have the right to be me. And I say, that's fine, but you have to live with the consequences because regardless of how beautiful you are, how fantastic you are, how great you are, how excellent your personality is, you're always going to be in minority, you know. Everybody else is different from you. So what are you going to do? If you want the best out of other people, you actually have to adapt. We can't force you. But if you want to live a good life, you have to adjust yourself to the surroundings. Alright you guys, welcome back to the Light It Up podcast. If you're new to this channel and you want to know everything there is about making money in real estate, selling, sales skills, building your business or investing, then subscribe below, tap the bell for notifications so you can be the first to know what makes our great guests so successful. Let's talk about adding leverage. So we've been getting a lot of calls of people asking us how we've hired virtual assistants to scale and leverage our business. So we've opened up our playbook to all of you. If you're looking to add leverage in your business, whether it's administrative support, ISA, outbound callers, Go to adleverage.com and they'll be there to help you staffing your team. All right. Today we have Thomas Erickson, author of Surrounded by Idiots, a book that uh, Kira and I are both very familiar with. We've read it in, I think, a few different mastermind, uh, a few different other real estate collaboration groups. Yeah. Uh, so excited to speak with you firsthand about it. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for the invitation. <laughs> It's nine o'clock in Sweden, so this means a lot that you're here. So oh, thank, thank you, you for making the time. No worries. All right. So as tradition serves, we will start with the lightning round. So Thomas, we're going to ask you a couple of questions that are completely unrelated. It's just to break the ice and get to know you a little bit more. Just to learn a little bit more about you. All right. You want to hit first? Audio jungle. All right. Why don't you tell us what's a chance encounter that changed your life forever? Well, I would say a couple of things. Professionally, it's absolutely the first time I took on a managing position at the age of 24. I messed it up hmm. badly, badly. I seriously messed it, up, messed it up. I was a good sales guy and I said, uh, can you manage the sales group? And I said, of course, I can do that. If I can sell, of course, I can lead. Because I thought it was kind of the same job, you know, it wasn't. Mm -hmm. So I messed it up. When people came to me, they said, uh, what about this? And I said, well, I don't know, fix it. Well, how about that? Well, fix it. That's all, all, all I had. I, I was trying to look like I had answers, but I had no answers. So I said, just fix it, fix it. And I had to go to my managers, managers, two levels up and say, you have to take me out of this equation because I don't know what I'm doing. I, I don't know what I'm, I'm not contributing at all relieve me of this after a year and he said you better stay put son because your manager is even worse than you he's not even here wow so you know but i survived but it put me on track on trying to understand myself trying to learn more about myself that was actually kind of a game changer for me to really really end up in a deep ditch which i did i feel like i was talking to somebody about that the other day i feel like in the real estate business that seems to be a common occurrence where they'll try to make a strong salesperson or a top salesperson, a, a sales manager. And from what we've learned, yeah. whether it's our direct experience in the real estate business or just from speaking with so many people like yourself on this platform that very, very different leadership skills or very different skills in, in general. Yeah. 
different skills in general because leading is another job. Yeah. The worst thing you can do is to hire an expert and a specialist to make him or her lead the other specialists. <laughs> yeah. It's a stupid idea, but they do it all the time. And all, all, all branches, all the industries do the same thing. Yeah. The best technicians get to be the head engineer and the best doctor get to be head of the other doctors. And it's, it's, it's a stupid thing. Mm. Don't go there. It never works. Well, sometimes it works, but very seldom. Yeah. Great advice. What advice would you give to your teenage self if you could go back in time? Pay more attention to how people perceive you when you enter the room. Be a bit aware of what you're doing. Check out people's faces. Try to read the room. Don't just stumble around and think that you know everything. Mm. Because I did. No one had ever told me to, you know, shut up and open my ears because I talked a lot mm. as a kid. Too much. I still talk a lot. But I also pay attention to other people. I didn't before i lost some good friendships because i couldn't i couldn't understand people i really couldn't understand people that's why i do what i do because i not only on at work but i, I messed up a lot of things during my life and the best advice was to be you know try to think ahead at least a little bit mm. if you do this what's going to happen if you do that what's going to happen then try to figure out before you do it you know use your head think yeah that would be some sort of advice yeah. right <laughs> be proactive versus reactive i think that's the biggest thing that's there a lot of people are reactive so. more than yeah. anything else yeah that's cool i think so all right thomas if you had to spend a day with someone a whole day and it's a person that's either dead or alive who would it be and why can i say my wife yeah that's no. beautiful well, is, is it because she's <laughs> like staring at you <laughs> <laughs> No, she's not. She's not here. No. Well, oh, that's a good question. I had that question before, and uh, I would probably answer something like, you know, Jesus. Mm. That would be interesting to see. I mean, let's say he's a real. He was a real person. How was he really? Or Moses? Or you know, Caligula? Or or you know, Nero the Emperor? Some of these these, you know, really really weird persons, mm -hmm. Joan of Arc, one of those historical individuals. How were you thinking? Yeah. S someone like those. Yeah. No, you always think about the divine intervention. Socrates. Oh, that would be a good one too. <laughs> that would be a good one. He killed himself for, for, for his own, you know, values. People don't do that anymore, I think. <laughs> How was he thinking? What was he thinking and yeah. why? Interesting, right? Yeah. Well, now we have medication, no. so now the, <laughs> his values can shrink under the medication. <laughs> okay. I'm just kidding. Mm. All right, so let's, true, walk, true. let's walk into it. Earlier, I was telling you how I, uh, I appreciated and, and really admired your TED Talk that you gave in Athens. And you were really talking about the perspective of self-fulfilling prophecies given on to different generations and them having to, they're being labeled and now they fulfill that label. And then we look back and say, that's your fault. Can you elaborate a little bit about that before we dive into the book? Because I think that's extremely important to share. Uh, well, thank you. Well, we have uh, four youngsters here at home, ages 20 to 28. And uh, they're living in a world, they are growing up in a world sort of where they are grown ups now, but they have grown up in a world where people tell them who they are and tell them what to do and what not to do, how to think and everything. And, and usually people tell young people that, you know, it, it's over. Even before it had started, you know, global warming and, and, and recession and, and bad economy and, and, and mental illnesses and everything. And, and I started to think about that because I'm a Gen X. I'm pretty old now. I'm a gener Generation X. 
it even sounds cooler, Gen X cooler than Gen Z, don't you think? It does. Don't don't quote me on that. <laughs> but no, but seriously, we, I, I lived through the Cold War. When I won, went to school, people, I mean, the teachers, they showed us footage of, of uh, things happening during the Second World War. You know, marching Nazis, uh, horrible, horrible images from concentration camps. And the Cold War was upon us. And we, we were close to neighbor with Soviet Union, just a few, what's that, a thousand, a thousand miles away. Mm. No, fi no, 500 miles away, sorry, 500 miles away. So pretty close. And they had the submarines, you know, not far away from where I was living. And we could be wiped out by a nuclear attack, not within two generations like now, but within, you know, 15 or 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. That was how I grew up. But I managed to do it because we had not, we had nothing to, I mean, what was the, the alternative? We had to just live through it and sort of do the best we could. When I see young people today and they read the news and they follow people online, social media, all these things, I understand why they can be a little bit depressed, but I don't think they have to be that because all generations struggle with, struggle with their own menaces in a way. And I think we need to put some more visionary thinking into the debate, so to speak. Because when you think it's over, it's going to be over. If you think you have a chance, you have a chance. Mm. I'm not into this visionary, you know, hallelujah thinking. That's not what I mean. But self-fulfilling prophecies, prophecies are really dangerous. And I, I, I mean that. It's dangerous because, especially if, if it's a bad one, if it's a negative one, mm. you know, you're not going to make it. Okay, now why should I even try? We are struggling with people over here who doesn't even want a job because why would I make a career? It's going to end anyway. And for me, that's a really, really sad way of thinking. Yeah. Uh, we talk about this a lot with the young people at home here, with, with the three sons and the girl. Well, they're not, they're not children anymore. But still, I see their perspective. It's, it's very, very negative. And I think it's really, really sad that it has to be. I don't think it has to be that way. Yeah. I would like to change it. I'm trying to do the best I can to incite some hope into young people. I think that's really, really important. Yeah. To make actually. it that point resonate even more, can you share the story about the store outside your mother's house? Or is it your grandmother, the, the store that she used to buy everything from? The one that went bankrupt? Oh, that story. Yeah, yeah. She was living next door to this local grocery store, small one in the little small tiny village, really, really on the countryside in, in the northern parts of, of Sweden. This is the early 40s, 1942, 43, something like that. And uh, there was a rumor starting that the, 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 he, the guy who owned the store, he was going bankrupt. Nobody really knew, but there was a rumor starting to sort of move around. And he, he, he tried to convince people, no, I'm not going bankrupt. But he had debts, a little bit here and there, and he had borrowed money. And everybody went there to you know, collect their money. And after a while, he, he went bankrupt because he didn't have all the cash. That's a good example of a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you try to protect yourself, you're going to kill the business. You have to think ahead. You have to think deeply about these things and not listen to rumors also. And uh, then they had to take their cars to go shopping and they didn't have any cars. So, so you know, I had to take the bicycle to get the milk. And that was a really bad thing. Mm. Um, but people are closest to themselves all the time, right? Yeah. So these things happens, happen all the time, I think. So, yeah. Yeah, which I think is a great transition too because people assume all the time that people want to be treated just like them. 
when people really want to be yeah. treated the way that they want to be treated. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Isn't it fascinating? 2024 still hasn't changed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, people care about themselves more than anything else. But when you're trying to sell or appeal to someone else, you need to be adapt. You need to adapt. So, uh, in your own words, what? Why is it important to understand the different personality styles? Well, it's important because you're going to run into people every day. I still meet uh, people, men and women, who say, "I don't care. I'm going to be me all the way, all the way to the end." You know, I'm going to be me. Don't tell me what to do. I'm going to be just myself because my guru told me I, I, I have the right to be me. And I say, that's fine, but you have to live with the consequences because mm -hmm. regardless of how beautiful you are, how fantastic you are, how great you are, how excellent your personality is, you're always going to be in minority, you know. Everybody else is different from you. So what are you going to do? If you want the best out of other people, you actually have to adapt. We can't force you. But if you want to live a good life, you have to adjust yourself to the surroundings. You have to read the room. You know, the context is important. And it sounds like a stupid cliche. And people say, yeah, yeah, I know. I understand. We have to adapt to each other all the time. Social skills, you know. But the problem with social skills, too many people are lacking social skills. You know, it's like humor. Everybody thinks they have it, but they don't all the time. <laughs> it's kind of a kind of a conundrum there. I mean, social skills is usually based on I saw that <laughs> social skills is usually based on self-awareness. For me, the definition of social skills or people skills, whatever you want to call it, is, is like if you understand how if you understand how your actions will affect other people's actions, if you understand how your behavior affects what other people's going to do about you and how they will perceive you and all of this, then you probably can say that we have some kind of social skills, people skills. Yeah. But it's based on self-awareness because if, if you're going to understand how people perceive you, then you need to understand who you are. And when you present yourself to the room, what do we see? What do you see? What do I see? Whatever does everybody else see? Yeah. If you don't pay attention to those things, you can't build people skills or social skills. You just can't. Yeah. So you need to start with yourself. And most people are low on self-awareness. That is a fact. There was actually a fascinating study made by this American, I think she was... Uh, researching psychologist or maybe psychiatrist tasha urish if mm. you have heard about her urish urich she did an interesting meta study on self-awareness and, and she concluded about 95 percent of people consider themselves above average when it comes to self-awareness i can say that again 95 percent above average this sort of mathematically yeah. impossible <laughs> but that's how people think right yeah i know this i have this down you know i got this no you don't Right. Probably 15 to 20 percent or 10 to 15 percent of the population could actually honestly rate themselves as good when it comes to self-awareness. I'm struggling myself after 30 <laughs> years in this business. I, I don't reinvent myself, but I, I, I figure things out at least a couple of times per year. Oh, what about that? That yeah. re reaction. Hmm, interesting. I have to look into this, you know. I'm still learning about myself. I think that's fascinating. Yeah. Uh, I, I think everybody should do that. I think it was. It was what do you think? It was probably only like ten years ago when I realized there was the four different personality styles. I mean, I'm, really? if I'm being very transparent, you know, I think I went along. I wouldn't say that I went along each day thinking that there was only one style. I just didn't really think no, much about it. Yeah. Like I just sort of thought everybody sort of thought of everything the same. And then exactly, we, we have a, a real estate coach you know, who had taught us, you know, about mainly about the sales business and how to, you know, secure more real estate transactions. And he's put a lot of emphasis on this. 
and I forget who writes all those books. He had pushed us all to read those books and, and those, you know, call it really the, is it driver, analytical, um, amiable, expressive, amiable, expressive, and everybody calls them four different things, right? I know Tony Robbins has his own four different terms, but there's, you know, for people who don't know much about this, there's right. There's four different personality styles and it's just super important as you're going through, you know, we're trying to tailor this, of course, to, to sales professionals as you're going through your business to know a little bit more about what your prospect, how they handle yeah. their business and, and learn a little bit more about their style. So what we were always taught is before you're going on the appointment, and it's, it would be nice to get your feedback on this, Thomas, before you're going on an appointment with prospect, you know, to ask certain questions to try to learn a little bit more about their style, right? Like, for instance, especially when it's a real estate transaction, you know, a lot of times if a seller that I'm going to meet with tomorrow is telling me things like, oh, well, my neighbor sold their house for, you know, 505,000 and it was exactly three months ago and they have 1,743 square feet, then, uh, you know, we all know that that person's probably an analytical. So when I, when I prepare for that appointment, I'm making sure that I am very, very, very focused on all of the numbers because that person appears to be of the analytical nature, right? So that's how we always tied it into our sales business. And it's important to, uh, it helped me. But the biggest thing too tailor is my presentation. when you're self-aware, cause you're naturally an analytical too. So like you would, he would bring a bunch of numbers with him and in his suit bag, like you'd have Excel sheets of like historical data just in case, because that's what because, he would want. <laughs> because I was not self, like as you he said, I was not self-aware. Self yeah. And I was not aware that other people don't care so much about the numbers. So I tailored my presentation for all analyticals. Yeah. And one interesting exercise that I'll just share with you is my coach, my real estate coach said to me, all right, last year you sold, you know, a hundred homes. I want you to write down the personality style of the four next to each person that you worked with. And I went through that list and I won't bore you with all the details, but I would say 75 to 80% of them were all analytical just like me. So what does that mean? That means that I catered my presentation to people who are just like me. And I was literally Missing push, out everybody pushing else. away and repelling everybody who was one of the other three styles. So not necessarily actually, John, okay. it's not that bad. Those you pushed <laughs> away were probably the, the expressive ones. Mm, the yeah. complete opposite. Yeah. The exact opposite. Yeah. Which is kind of the opposite. That's bad enough, obviously. <laughs> and I've done exactly the same thing, exactly the same thing only the other way around actually but uh, you know but we learn we struggle i mean interestingly enough people says yeah it has to be more complex we have to move beyond these four styles but i don't think we have to because you can go all the way back to hippocrates mm. the four temperaments and you see exactly the same the same uh, thing only using different words really homo sapiens is sort of not changing very much and for me that is brilliant news because if we talk about mentally stable people, let's call it, mm. people who don't suffer from, from PTSD or, or something like that, or, or, or who have a diagnosis like schizophrenia or thing, but just regard the average guy or, or girl for that matter. Uh, people can be divided into this. And the, the thing is, they don't know either usually why they resonate with your, your presentation. If you go by, go through all the numbers, some people will say, Jesus, this is seriously boring. <laughs> they might not, know, don't, not, not understand why. And some will say, interesting, this broker, he's really, really good. He is serious. He's taking this seriously. I like him. The best advice that I usually give is to 
I, I ask people these days, how would you like me to present in, to present this? Would you like me to go through the numbers or would you like to take a stroll through the house? Or, or I mean, I've been selling real estate myself as a trainer for real estate agents here in Sweden. So I, I tested it mm-hmm. for a couple of months some years ago. And I, I started asking the prospects, you know, what, what would you like to see? Would you like me to tell me about the family who owns the house? And some people say, ew, no. <laughs> Why would I want to know that? Yeah. And some people say, yeah, do they have a dog? <laughs> is this dog hair that I can see? Wow, they have a dog, you know. <laughs> For some people, this is fascinating. And, you know, a few people said, don't ask me those questions. Just do your job, you know. Mm-hmm. No, don't. That's usually the, the driver ones or the driving ones. Yes. They said, don't bother me with this, you know, BS. <laughs> just... just you know, leave me alone and let me run through the house and I'll, I'll send you an offer. Maybe we'll see. But it usually works pretty okay because people aren't aware of this. Yeah. It's a certain sort of open technique. Who are you? Tell me about yourself. Give me two minutes about you and your family. And you can see which one is making the real decision, mm-hmm. which which voice is actually Pounds for a little bit more because usually someone has, you know, the, the final say. Sure. It's usually, the it wife. doesn't have to be the wife. It doesn't have to be, it's usually <laughs> that, but it doesn't have to be that, actually. But you're just asking the questions. If you do it with a friendly face and a smile on your lips, you can sort of get away with it. Yeah. Yeah. I would say 85, 90% of pe- people would say, yeah, sure. I'll tell you a little bit about us. Okay. Yeah. That's why I won't waste your time, you know? Mm, exactly. Well, it's it's brings me. You didn't to, think of that, now, did you? That's a good one. No, it, it, it's it's you know, a really good one. Well, yeah. so many people think of like, what, what's a way for me to find out their personality style without really just coming out and asking? And it's okay to say, hey, how would you like me to present to you? Do you want to know about this, or do you want to know about this? What could possibly go wrong? Right. They could say, no, no, I, I don't, I don't want to talk about those things. Sure, or or just do what you usually do. Yeah. It's like asking a girl out for a date. Instead of trying to figure out what does she like, what kind of food, where should I take her? Well, how about asking her? <laughs> Do you like Chinese? Yeah. No? Okay. Good. Me neither, you know. Being self-aware enough to just ask. Because a lot of people just do the same presentation for everybody. And, and of course, they're going to get the same outcome. But it's like our, our real estate coach, again, who, have to, who told us and drilled into our heads. Selling's not telling, selling's asking questions, right? If you find yourself in these conversations just telling, 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 then you're not, you know, you're not doing, you're not, you know, you're giving them a, a disservice. You need to be asking these questions. Open-ended questions, and you heard all about this, you know, open, how, what, why, when, and all these things. That, that, that's a great technique, and I use it all the time. I mean, how about this question? How many other houses have you, have you looked at? Mm-hmm. Three, four, five. Okay, did you buy any of those? No. Why not? Was it the broker? Was it was it the real estate agent? Sorry. Was it the the house? Was it the neighborhood? What was it? Sometimes it was one of your competitors who sort of messed it up. Mm-hmm. Okay, what did he do wrong? Did she mispay? What happened? Tell me the story with you know three sentences. He didn't listen, or she only talked about you know the garden. We hate gardening. She never gave me any numbers. She tried to make friends with my kids. I don't like that, you know. Okay, now you have a blueprint. Don't go there. Yeah. <laughs> you could take a three or four. You can you can solve this in three minutes, even before you end. You step into the building itself. Mm-hmm. You can actually solve it by asking these questions. You need to do it in a smart way, obviously. But you're, you're smart. You can do that. I can yeah. see that in your faces. You're smart guys. Thank you. And everyone Labeling. is listening is also very smart. 
You guys are all super smart. Say We're it. just <laughs> surrounded by idiots. That's it. We're smart. How did the title, how did you come up with the title of the book?